Well, we are in week three of options. Last week we had a little break with Pastor Bob. It was so good having Pastor Bob and Pastor Margaret. They were our senior pastors for many, many years. Taught us everything we know as well as PJ and Yalta. Because uh, Pastor Bob used to be the senior pastor down in Dunedin, Elam, and and PJ and Yalta, you, uh, they, they were interns way back then. We were interns to Pastor Bob, and so, you know, so it's so great to come under some great leadership in our lives. But this week, we're, we're, we're in week three of options. Options. Who likes buying clothes? Any like, buddy, like pl- buying clothes? And, and I'm, I'm just going to say something. Oh, please, please don't get me wrong here, and I don't want to get in trouble when I say this. But, but when I go to the mall, you see the chairs they have out in the malls? You know who the chairs are for? Because quite often I go and, and, and I have a look, and there's a whole bunch of guys sitting on those chairs looking kind of dejected and, and exhausted. <laughs> and they're sitting there waiting for their wives or their partner. And, and, uh, and I'm not saying that because I know, guy, I know some guys who love shopping, and they, they're out there just like, just like our ladies. But, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I've heard about this. I'm not saying this is my wife. I've heard about this. I've heard stories. Maybe you, this might sound familiar to you where, where, uh, where, where you go with somebody, and, uh, and she's like, oh, I said she. She's like, she like I, I want this outfit. I want this outfit, you know, we're going, going, we're going to this wedding, we're going, we're going somewhere, I need an outfit for this wedding. I said, you've got plenty of outfits in the, in the closet. No, no, you understand, I need an outfit. So you go, you go to the mall, you go to the first store and go, wow, this is the outfit I want. Great, boom, let's buy it, let's go. You go, wait, 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 well, let's go check the other stores first. You know, and every, every, every guy, your heart knows, you know exactly what's going on right now. So you spend the next hour going through all the other stores, and maybe, well, sometimes maybe two, depending on how big the store is. And then at the end of it, you're like, let's go back to the store we started off. Let's buy that outfit. Oh, and, and, and anyway, anyway, if you know me, if you know me, um, you know that I don't like buying clothes. I really don't like buying clothes. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll wear jeans until my, my thighs produce holes so we can breathe. You know, I'll wear shoes. I'll wear shoes until my toes touch the ground. You know, uh, that's me when it comes to clothes. And so my wife, she kind of tricks me into buying clothes. She, so we're, we'll be going, let's we're at the mall. Let's, gonna get, let's get a coffee. And she goes, I just want to go into the store and have a look. And I'm like, it's a men's store. You know, so we're in the store and then next night, you know, I'm trying on trousers and shirts. I'm walking out with three pairs of new jeans and two shirts. So, um, and that's what happens. But I, I remember one time we walked into the store and I saw this jacket. And I think, well, that jacket looks pretty good. But if, if you go shopping with me, you know, before I examine the item, the first thing I do is I examine the price. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and if the price is right, then I'll look at the item. And so we walked in the store. I see this jacket. And I'm thinking that jacket looks pretty good. And but oh, let's check the price. And I see it's on the eighty dollar rack. And I'm I kind of wait. Is that jacket worth eighty dollars? Let's examine the jacket. And and I go, wow, that jacket actually looks really good. So I I put on the jacket. Fits fits really good. I'm looking in the mirror because wow, looks really good. You know, the jacket looks good too. And and um. <laughs> And, uh, and so, and, so I, I, and I'm thinking, you know what, I, I'll, I'll buy this jacket for $80. It's worth the price, definitely worth the price. So I go to the counter, you go to the counter, and the people at the counter, they're always so nice, aren't they? Always so, so nice, unless it's the end of the day. And so you, they're always so nice, right? And, and I go, I'd like to buy this jacket, please. Yes, sir, you can buy this jacket. They scan it in. They scan it in, and they go, that will be $199.99. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. I no longer have the pastor face on anymore. <laughs> Excuse me? That will be, no, I know what you just said, but you don't understand. 
you don't understand. I got this jacket from that $80 rack. And they're like, well, you don't understand. No, they didn't say that. They said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Sue, but that rack actually says from $80. <laughs> go, from $80? From, there, there are jackets on there that are $80. Would you like to exchange it? You know what? Oh, and, I, and I start doing the Australian hucker. I'm like, oh, sorry, I left my wallet at home. And then, I, and so I said, I'll, I'll be back. I'm just going to go get my wallet. I think, I'll, I'll be back. And, and I'll do the moonwalk out of There's no way I'm going back in there to buy that jacket. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I like the way that jacket looked. In fact, I like the, the way the jacket looked on me. I like the way it felt on me. In fact, I like the way I thought of what people would say when they saw with it on me. But I was not prepared to pay the price. I was not prepared to pay the price for that jacket. And when it comes to our Christian walk, sometimes we, we see a Christian walk like that, don't we, sometimes? We like the way Christianity makes us feel. I feel so much nicer. I'm a nicer person. But being a follower of Jesus is not about being a nicer person. It's about a price. It's about a cost. So I'm here this morning to ask you, will you pay the price. Will you pay the price? Because people, we, as people, we don't like talking about the price. We don't like talking about the cost. We like to talk about the promise. You know, the promise of what I will look like in that jacket. We'll talk about the promise of what my marriage will look like. It's going to look so good. We're going to be so happy. You know, we're going to have beautiful children look just like me. They're going to be fantastic. We love talking about the promise, right? We like talking about the promise of a ministry. I'm going to get into this ministry. People are going to come and people will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We like the idea of the promise. You know what? I'm going to be financially sound. I'm going to do the cap course and it's going to be so good. We like the idea of the promise. But are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to pay the price? You know, Hartanea, our, our son and our, and our daughter-in-law that just had their baby last week, baby Lila, right? We, uh, we, they, gave us, they, they gave us an option. No, not an option. They actually said to us, they said to us that we can put a name on the child. You know, that's such a privilege. And so we're like, you know what? You know, the name, so the name we chose was Chardonnay. Chardonnay, Chardonnay, want to see my Michael Jackson moves? No, 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 no. No, actually, no, we didn't call Chardonnay. The name we gave was, was Mania. Mania. Mania means beautiful in Cook Island. means Mania. So we decided, you know, we, we're going to declare beautiful over our granddaughter. She's a beautiful baby. But you know what? Before we have a baby, before we have children, we like to talk about the promise Oh, when, we, when that baby is born, our family is going to be beautiful. It sounds so romantic having a baby, doesn't it? You know, a baby's going to be so good looking, but all the giggles, we're going to have so much fun. But how many of us know that there's a gap between expectations and reality, right? Now, baby's born. Baby's peeing on you. No one told me a baby's going to be peeing on me. I thought pee goes into the nappy. I didn't realize I squirted so far. <laughs> right? And now there's tension in the marriage, right? Not because you're mad at each other. It's because you're tired. You're just tired. Sleep? What sleep? You know? And you're getting ready. You're putting your, your beautiful baby in the car seat to go to church. And the baby pukes over you. And it's the second time that morning. All over you. How much puke can be in this little baby? I don't know. You're so small. You produce so much. Nobody, you know, 
There's a cost to the promise. There's a cost to the promise. Will you pay the price? See, I was prepared to pay $80. I was prepared to give what was comfortable to me. We kind of treat our promise like that, don't we? That we treat our promise like, I'm only going to give to my promise what is comfortable, what is comfortable to me. Now my marriage is uncomfortable. But I was only prepared to give $80 to my marriage, but it's uncomfortable, so now I'm doing the moonwalk out of my marriage. I was prepared to give $80 for this ministry, but this ministry is costing too much, so I'm, I'm about to do the moonwalk out of this ministry. Are you prepared to pay the price? Are you prepared to pay the price? You know, when we read the narratives of Jesus, large crowds always followed Jesus. Now, if you're a church leader, you, man, you'll love to have a large crowd. Look, check out the crowd that came this Sunday. I'm going to post it on Instagram, you know, hashtag large crowd. You know, Jesus was never interested in large crowds. He was looking for followers. He wasn't looking for people who followed the latest craze or the latest fad, what was popular. He wasn't looking for people who were swayed by public opinion. He was looking for followers who were ready to pay the price. Are you willing to pay the price, church? So we find in Luke chapter 14, verse 25, and it says, a large, says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Sounds kind of cool. Sounds nice if you're a church leader. That sounds really nice. But Jesus, he wasn't interested in large crowds. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not, and does not hate does not hate father and mother, does not hate wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. I was going, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I think I, I, I read the wrong verse. We're supposed to talk about nice verses in the Bible, right? Because we, we, you know, we want to be that church that just speaks about the nice things. No, we're not that kind of church. We're the church. If Jesus uses this word, we're going to be speaking about it. Because Jesus was making a point, because the word hate is a harsh word, don't you think? When I was growing up, you could not use the word hate in our family. My mother would say, use the word strongly dislike. And I'm like, okay, mom, I strongly dislike my little brother. So I said, use that word anymore. Like, is that much better? Is that okay? My wife, we have this rule in our family, even today, we're not allowed to use the word hate. And so I was like, okay, I strongly dislike jogging. I strongly dislike. But you know what? I, I, I have been jogging, and you know what? I've changed now. I just dislike jogging. Just dislike it. I don't strongly, I just dislike it. I'm, I'm, I'm progressing. There's progression. There's progression. But hate is a strong word. So I, I decided I'm going to go into the Greek. Because when, when, when Luke wrote, this, wrote, this, wrote down the words of Jesus, he wrote it in Greek. And in Greek, there's so much more nuances to the, to the language. There's so much more to it. So surely there's maybe, maybe Jesus wasn't as harsh as we think he was. So you know, I did some digging and I went into the Greek. And you know what I discovered? You'll be interested to know what it actually means in Greek. The word that Jesus used was this word, and don't be blown away when I say this. The word, what it actually means in Greek is this. It means hate. It's profound. But you know what that means? Jesus purposely used, and he chose that word. He could have said, you know, you've got to love me more than everybody else. He could have said that. That's a bit nicer. I'll, you know, I'll share that verse with other people. But he didn't say that. He said, you've got to hate father and mother. You've got to hate wife and children. You've got to hate brothers and sisters, even your own life. He purposely chose the harshest word possible because he was making a point. He was making a point. Because you know what? That's what Jesus was saying. Because we know that Jesus is about love, right? Because you know, Jesus says, you know, love your enemies. 
Jesus said, if, if, when you love one another, people will know that you are my disciples. So what is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is saying this, your love for me has to be so great that your love for everybody else in comparison looks like hate. That's what Jesus is saying. I want that for my children. I want my kids to love Jesus so much that their love for me in comparison looks like hate. I want that for my wife. I want my wife to love Jesus far more than she loves me. Because I know that Jesus will never disappoint her. Sorry, dear. Not saying that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. I want her love to be so grateful to Jesus that her love for me in comparison, her love to me looks like hate. That's how much I wanted to love Jesus. If you know me, you know I love rugby. I love rugby. And, and you know, um, and I even sit on YouTube and I watch like rugby reactions with other pe people watching rugby for the first time. And I really enjoy it and, and enjoying rugby being developed in other countries and things like that. But you know, I really love rugby, but my love for my wife, my love for my wife has to be so much greater than my love for rugby looks in comparison looks like hate. And it needs to be. If it's not, there's something wrong with my relationship. Will you pay the price? Then in verse 27, Jesus goes on and says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now when we read that, we, 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 most of us naturally, we think of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. But you gotta understand, when Jesus said these words, he wasn't associated with the cross yet. So the people at that time didn't associate Jesus with the cross. For, for some of us, we might even think when, Jesus, when we hear these words, carry your cross, maybe we think about a, a cross we wear around our neck or maybe we think about a matching tattoo we got with our bestie. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. What Jesus was talking about, when, when, that, when, the, when the original hearers heard Jesus say this, they knew that they, they, when they heard the word cross, they thought of an instrument the Romans used to torture people and then kill people on. When the, when the original hearers heard these words, they, they, they thought straight away of the death penalty. So, 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 the, so the hearers of that day said, whoa, 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 Jesus, are you telling me I've got to hate my mom and my dad? I've got to hate my wife. I've got to hate my children. Now you're telling me I've got to lay my life down for you? I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm prepared to follow you, Jesus. You know, as, a Christ, as Christians, we can go through life without carrying our cross. Did you know that? You can go throughout life without carrying your cross. It's called comfortable. It's called being comfortable. Are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable for Jesus? Are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable? Because if we're comfortable, we don't need the comforter. And the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. So if you're uncomfortable, that means you need the Holy Spirit. You need the comforter. For some of us, we think being a Christian is about being crowned, right? Crowns up, you're right, being crowned. But it's not about being crowned. It's about a cross. It's about a cross. Because if we think it's about being crowned, then we'll only go as far as what comfortable will let us. We'll only go as far as what our schedules will let us. We'll only go as far as what makes us feel good let us. Are you willing to pay the price? Then he goes on in verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundations and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. I wonder how many unfinished towers are there because people never counted the cost. They dived into it without counting the cost. Now, now it's unfinished. 
How many people do you know have dived into something but never finished it? Because they never counted the cost. Never count. You've got to count the cost before you dive into something. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why there are people in situations of hurt. That's why there are people in situations of pain and anxiety because they did not count the cost. See, see you, you, you got excited and you got married because the wedding photos are nice. They're beautiful. But you weren't ready. You weren't prepared to sacrifice yourself for someone. You weren't prepared to serve someone because you got into it prematurely and now you're uncomfortable. And now you want a divorce because things aren't working out right. But really it was because you weren't willing to do what it takes. You weren't willing to pay the price. See, it's really irresponsible of me to think that all I've got to do is sit back and let God do all these wonderful things for me. You know, God, you're going to give me an amazing marriage. God, you're going to give me respectful kids. God, you're going to give me an a, 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 a out-of-this-world ministry. God, you're going to give me an out-of-this-world um, this business adventure. God, God, you're going to make my finances come to you. You know, God is like, have you checked the price tag? Are you looking at the right rack? Are you looking at the right rack? Because there's a cost to the promise. There's a cost to the promise. Will you pay the price? There's too many unfinished towers out there. There's too many unfinished marriages out there. You know, I want my children's children to look at their nana and papa and say, you know what, I want a tower like this. I want a marriage like that. I want a marriage like that for our own life. You know what, it's not a perfect tower, but it's a finished tower. It's a finished tower. There's a cost to a promise. Are you willing to pay the price? Then verse 31, well, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against them with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask them for terms of peace. In the same way, this is pretty strong from Jesus, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. You know, hey, Jesus, I, I, I think you're missing the point. We, we want people to stay, not go. We want the crowd. We want the numbers. We want everybody cheering our names. See, Jesus is looking for warriors. He's looking for people who won't give up. It's easy to give up. It's easy to walk away. But he's looking for people who will stand and fight. He's not looking for flaky Christians. My wife, she loves, her favorite chocolate is the flake. Have you had a flake before? You open it up and it flakes everywhere. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder when it comes to our Christianity, when we, when, we, when we are open up, if we're flaky everywhere. Will you pay the price? Because there's a cost to the promise. Can you imagine if a, if a soldier comes running back to the commander and say, Sir, Sir, they're shooting at us. Can you imagine that? The commander's going, they're supposed to. In fact, you're supposed to shoot back. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's right, Christian. You're supposed to be rich. Oh, that's right, Christian. You're, you're supposed to have no problems in your life. 
That's not Christianity. That's a, that's a load of hogwash. Can I say that in church? That's a pretty deep word, hogwash. It's actually it's unfair to the hogs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Are you willing to pay the price? Because it's about carrying a cross. Verse 24, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can, how, how can we make it salty again? It is, it is fit neither for soil nor for manure pile. It is thrown out. And like when we have our salt on our kitchen table, it never loses its saltiness because it is pure salt. Back in those days, salt was mixed with contaminants. It was, uh, it was contaminated. And when they got to the bottom, when they got to the bottom of the container, all you were left was with contaminants. And, and the salt has lost its, its saltiness. It was no good. It, wasn't, it was no good. So Jesus is saying this. Have you allowed the impurities of compromise in so much so that you have lost the flavor of God in your life? Jesus is saying a Christian who has lost their saltiness has lost their promise. Has lost their promise. You you can't even throw it onto dirt. If you've lost your saltiness, you can't even throw it onto dirt. Because if you throw it on dirt, you're going to ruin the dirt. (laughs) Because with dirt, at least least you can grow things in in it, right? You can't even throw it onto manure because manure we use to fertilize things. And if we throw it on there, we're going, to renew, we're going to ruin the manure. So a Christian that's lost it, what Jesus is saying, is a Christian that's lost their saltiness, you're not even worth manure. And a lot of people use different words. Because there's a cost to the promise. Will you pay the price? We've got to count the cost. You know what the sad thing is? Is that people are running away from something that has already been paid. I don't know if you got that. The the saddest thing, there's so many unfinished towers, is because people are running away from something that has already been paid. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. You know, God promised Abraham, that he was going to have a son born to Sarah. And Abraham waited and he waited, and at the age of 100, that's a long time. So those of you who are over 80, there's still time. <laughs> so age of 100, Sarah was 90. I remember telling, I, I do Bible in schools, uh, well, I used to do Bible in schools, I remember telling this to uh, the kids at, at uh, Road Street School. And I, Can you imagine if your grandma and granddad had a baby? You know, they were like, ooh. You know? like, well, imagine, well, imagine your granddad and granddad, but it was their parents. Your great-granddad and great-granddad. Well, this is what it was like. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. They give birth to a child, the son of a promise. Abraham had waited, and God has given him the desires of his heart. 15 years has passed around that time. But you know what? There's a price to a promise. There's a price to a promise. And God says to Abraham, are you willing to give up your promise? Are you willing to let your promise die? Because remember when we talked about the cross? A cross is where flesh dies. A cross is where something has to die. A cross is where pride needs to die. A cross is where anger needs to die. There's a cost to a promise. So on the mountain, Abraham has come to the end of himself. 
and he's about to sacrifice the son of a promise. God speaks. Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. God says this, Do not lay a hand on the boy, the promise. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Are you willing to lay down your promise for God? Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horn. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so God was like this to Abraham, I've got this. Come on, you've... Come on, you're willing, you're willing to, to, to lay down your promise? Well, I've got this. The, the saddest thing is that you are running away from something that someone has already paid it for you. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you this much with arms open wide. And with arms open wide, they nailed him to a cross, the place where flesh dies. And Jesus paid the full price for you. He set you free. He loves you. He is the Lamb of God. He is the ram caught in the thicket. And He died for you. See, see, you know the goal of all this? The goal of this is so that you will understand the cost and you will know the value that had already been paid. The goal of this is for you to not just know the cost, but to bring you to the end of yourself. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple, it means to come to the end of yourself. It means dependency on God because the more you need God, the more you see God. And if I don't need God, then I'm not gonna see God. But that's the point of discipleship. It's coming to the end of yourself. I can't do this alone. I wasn't meant to do this alone. See, the goal of this message is not to make you feel overwhelmed. I don't want you going home and go, wow, what a great message. I feel so overwhelmed. Hashtag overwhelmed. Hallelujah. That's not the goal of this message. The goal of this message is that when you start to feel overwhelmed, when you get to a place where I can't do this myself, when you feel the pressures of your family, when you feel the pressures of your marriage, when you feel the pressures of your finances, when you feel the pressures of your workplace, when you've come to the end of yourself, exactly that's the point. Jesus is off to the side and says, I know you can't do this alone. I know you feel overwhelmed. I know, do you know why it feels bigger than, than, than you? It was meant to be because you weren't meant to do this alone. God, I've come to the end of myself, but I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to go and be a little bit uncomfortable for you. I'm willing to pay that $199.99. I'm willing to do what that is uncomfortable to me. (laughs) I'm getting the jacket after this. Lord, I'm willing to pay the price. When you're willing to pay the price, Jesus will say, I've got this. I've got this. Come on. If you're not going to pay the price for you, pay the price for your children. Pay the price for your children's children. Pay the price for the people who are watching your life. 
pay the price for their workmate that ridicules you, but secretly they're looking to you for hope. Pay that price for the person that has no hope. But they watch you in the way you serve God. They've seen you get knocked down, but they've seen you get back up again because you're willing to pay the price. Being a Christian is going to cost you. You can be in the crowd. You can post about me on Instagram. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag favored. Hashtag real love serves. <laughs> but if you want to go from posting about me to being about me, then you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision because there is a cost to the promise. So I'm here this morning to, to ask you, will you pay the price? 